In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Sarah Wells. Come along as Michael Dexter and Holly Briggs talk with Sarah about her career in nursing, from starting in the ED to paying it forward, helping others succeed in their nursing journey. Sarah is sure to spark a flame for what's next. This episode is called Leveling Up with the New Thing Nurse. Hello, and welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals, but most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, and always valuable. I'm Holly Briggs, a professional development specialist at BCN and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCN. Hi, Holly. Hi, Michael. So glad you're with us today. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Sarah Wells, or as many of you know her, the new thing nurse. Sarah is currently living in California, but her reach is nationwide through her advocacy and social media platforms. Sarah is a huge supporter of emergency nurses and helping them to grow professionally. Michael, could you please introduce us to our BCN and friend, Sarah? Yes, I would be happy to. I'm really excited, Sarah, to have you on the podcast today and for everybody to hear about um, all the great things that you're doing. Sarah Wells is a certified emergency nurse. She has a master's degree in nursing. She's been a national speaker, educator, and is the founder of The New Thing Nurse, an academic and professional coaching company for the nursing community. Sarah works with nurses and nursing students from around the United States to help them achieve their professional goals. She's worked in various emergency departments over the past 11 years. She's passionate about nurse wellness and creating a more supportive nursing culture throughout healthcare. Sarah, welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. It is a pleasure to have you with us. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you um, about a lot of things and can't wait to talk to you about some certification related things, professional development. But before we get into any of that, Can you tell the audience a little bit more about you as a nurse and how your nursing pathway has led you to where you are today? Absolutely. So I started my career as a little baby nurse um, in northern Georgia um, at a community setting ER. Um, I did, uh, I should back up, I guess, a little bit. I did a master's entry program in nursing for a clinical nurse leader program. Um, And honestly, it was a 16-month wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sort of situation that came out. Um, and I knew I always wanted to do emergency department nursing. I didn't really want to do leadership, but I really picked the program because it was kind of focused on big picture thinking and had a cohort of students that um, had already gotten degrees and other things. So I kind of wanted to be in that learning environment. So once I graduated, I started in the emergency department at a community setting emergency department, uh, community setting hospital um, in Northern Georgia in a college town. And I had a great experience kind of getting um, thrown to the wolves in a like good supportive thing. Is that, can I say that? Um, and learn learning by doing, which really is what I excel at on night shift. Um, and I did that for about two years. And during that first two years, I really wanted to kind of deep dive and be as prepared as possible for my patients and for my um, colleagues. I was on a team of pretty experienced nurses on night shift, um, with a small group of new grads that, um, had graduated with me and got hired into the same program. And so I decided to pursue my CEN. Um, I learned about it from my educator, nurse manager um, combo, and she was a really big influence early on in my career. Um, And they didn't have any CEN's or current CEN's at the time. So I was like, that's 
something that could be cool. And the really cool thing was a couple other people decided to like study together with me. Um, I think that's pretty common. You guys can tell me, I guess. Um, and so I got my CEN the second year of nursing. And at that time also, I was ready to kind of explore more emergency departments and kind of get out of Georgia where I grew up. And so I did the travel nursing thing and it took me out to the Bay Area in California. And that was in 2012. And I've been here ever since. So I, I did emergency departments in um, San Francisco in the suburbs of the San Francisco. Um, and I was there and at the bedside in the emergency department till last summer. Um, I did shared governance. I did a little bit of leadership stuff. I did um, pediatric care coordination in those spaces. And I also worked in emergency departments that specialized in burn, stroke, cardiac trauma, all those things. And then last summer I left the bedside um, and I've started working for a professional nursing organization. And I love that because I really get to influence um, nursing on a national level. Um, I also love emergency nurses. And so I've been a really involved member of Emergency Nurses Association. Shout out to East Bay Chapter, where I've been for the last like seven, eight years. And I've been to the national conference. I've spoken there. And then about five, almost six years ago, um, through a lot of experiences with um, seeing nurses and nursing students not really having the support they needed to kind of progress in their um, careers and, and in their studies. I started the company New Thing Nurse, which I'll be excited to tell you more about later, but it's an academic and professional coaching company for the nursing community. And all those things together really just help allow me to support nurses, which is what I love to do. Sarah, I, I liked the part about your story where you said like you came in, you were a new nurse, and then you found out about certification. You were like, oh, that sounds like something I want to do. And no one else really had done that or was currently certified. And yet you like jumped in and all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, we should, we should get a group together. We should do this. And I think with professional growth, it really sometimes just takes like that spark of someone being interested about it. And then all of a sudden like generates this drive within other people to do the same. And so what drives your passion for professional development? Like, why are you the one who's going to go do it? Well, let me tell you, I'm one of those people. And I think a lot of emergency nurses are like that because no matter if I'm working in an emergency department or not, I'm always an emergency department nurse, let's be real. But I think what drives me and my passion for professional development is, especially in healthcare and medicine, I, oh, there's always something new to learn. And I think a lot of people who come to nursing are lifelong learners, always looking for kind of the next new thing. And that was kind of how, what always drove me with emergency nursing, especially. I never knew what was coming in through the front door, back door, ambulance bay, um, patients came in with all kinds of problems. There was kind of the detective work you had to do to figure out what was going on uh, with what they were able to tell you or not able to tell you in the labs and all the diagnostics you had to do. And professional development for me is kind of just that, that continuous opportunity to learn, that continuous opportunity to validate my knowledge and my skill sets through different um, validation tools. And I think certification is just one of those. Um, in addition to the CEN, I have my clinical nurse leader certification, which is a certification that um, people who finish the uh, CNL program can take. Um, and that one, I think, just validates like I'm a big picture thinker. I like quality improvement. And I really am one of those people that love making things better. I love improving inefficiencies and systems. And I think, and I love helping support others. That's a big piece of what I do. I always love caring for my patients. And now I really love caring for the caregivers. And that's what I get to do in so many spaces of my 
um, job. Um, and with new thing nurse, I think what I get to do, I just tell everyone I'm your biggest cheerleader. I'm here to help cheer you on to whatever your goal is, or to help you figure out and define what your goal is. Because I think the problem with a lot of nurses, especially over the last few years, is we've been faced with really impossible situations and asked to do more and more with less and less. And so we're getting to that point where we're just like burnout crispy. And we're at a point where we really need to invest in ourselves and invest in our profession and our future. But sometimes we don't know how to do that. And so getting that mentorship, that coaching, that um, cheerleader, sometimes you just need to get resold on yourself to like believe in yourself again. And so I think there's so many ways to do that. And I really do encourage people to get um, certified in whatever specialty they're interested in or whatever they're working in as one way to do that, to help validate, like, I still can do this. There's new stuff for me to learn. And there might be something I used to do a lot, but haven't been able to do the last few years because so much of healthcare shifted because of COVID and all those things. So maybe there's something I want to kind of reinvestigate, re-research, relearn, um, and show the world that I can do it by putting those letters behind my name. So I think that's why certification is so important and such a big piece of that professional development process. Well, you just answered the question I was going <laughs> to ask you about certification because, you know, you do have your, uh, your clinical nurse leader certification that you mentioned. You also mentioned your CEN. And so I was about to ask you, how do you encourage others to get certified and how does that contribute to their professional growth? But I think you answered it perfectly. And I know you've been such a big cheerleader and a champion of, of certification. And with the ones that you're working with, do you, um, do you see that once they become certified, it really is that catalyst to move them to that place wherever they're trying to get? Do you see a lot of positive improvement and any kind of feedback on from them once they become certified? I do. I think certification is one way to help get yourself prepared and validated and to shine a little bit, no matter what point of your profession you're in. And I work with a lot of nurses with New Thing Nurse who are looking to make a change in their career. And so that can be, um, maybe they're looking for that next level of leadership in their roles, in their departments or units. Maybe they're looking to switch specialties so that they can um, go and explore maybe a new type of focus of nursing. Sometimes what they're trying to do is just find a way to to re-engage themselves with their profession without having to go back to school. Because there's a lot of nurses out there who think like maybe the only way I can develop professionally is by getting a graduate degree or go into a more diagnostic role, um, nurse practitioner, CRNA, things like that. And for people who are really interested in those roles, that's fantastic. But I feel like some people are going back to school just because they think that's the only way to develop as a nurse professionally. And I always recommend you know, hold on before you invest a lot of time and money, but tell me what your goals are. And a lot of times it's really just, they want to kind of re-engage with their profession and um, maybe set themselves apart a little bit on an application for a new role. And so certification is a great way to do that, either in the specialty or focus that you're in or in the specialty or focus that you're kind of trying to attain. Um, some certifications do have requirements about who can apply and who can take those tests, how many hours you have to be in those um, roles. But sometimes it's a great way to expand your horizons and learn something new without completely pivoting and going to school or completely pivoting and trying a whole new job before you want to jump in the deep end in a new specialty. So I think certification is a great way to do that and a great compromise for 
I want to learn this. I want to do this. I want to set myself apart. Um, I want to validate my knowledge. And um, before going into maybe a schooling program or making a huge change in their career. That is some really great advice. And I feel like you're going to be able to tell us a little bit more about that because you work with nurses to help them develop their resumes, you know, kind of thinking about the goal, like what is it that they want to do and then how can they get there? So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see nurses making as they're maybe looking to that next thing, or, you know, maybe they're just not happy where they are. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see nurses making? Yeah. So um, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's like kind of dive in. I think one for nurses who are looking to make a change first, you have to do a self-assessment. Why do I want to make that change? Um, What are the factors that are discouraging me from continuing down the path I'm in? Um, And then identify are those things in your sphere of control or are those things outside of your sphere of control? Sometimes it's an unhealthy work environment. Sometimes it is a shift, like I'm on night shift and it's completely wrecking my work-life balance and you just need to get to days. Sometimes it's a role problem, a specialty issue um, that's not matching your passions anymore. Sometimes you want a completely different, you want to get need to get away from direct care for whatever reason. Um, maybe you want to get into leadership, education, any of those things. Or sometimes it's a reframing of your own perspective. Um, Sometimes it's expectation management. Sometimes people are really expecting a lot and healthcare has changed what we can offer. Employers, what they can offer has changed and what we can offer as clinicians has changed. And so sometimes it's a perspective shift or trying to evaluate like, are you in the best situation or do you need to remove yourself from it? So that's kind of the first piece. The next piece really is where do I want to go? What do I want to do and what do I need to do to get there? I guess for some people, um, they may want to change completely their job, like change employers. Some people may want to just change specialties within their employer, um, existing employer um, facility. Sometimes they want to change roles completely. And so they're looking for something completely different from what they've done. And then sometimes, sometimes it's like a self journey of that thing I mentioned about re-engaging with your profession. Sometimes people just need to take on a project a certification, a training opportunity. Maybe they want to make changes in their unit and they don't know about things like unit-based counsel or championing a new project or something like that. So those are all different opportunities that people can do. Now, when switching jobs and looking at applications, a big mistake I see people doing is not understanding what the job application environment looks like now. So sometimes uh, someone's been in a role or an organization for 10, 20 years, and maybe they haven't applied to a new job outside of their organization in that long. And now it used to be maybe that you like emailed a resume in to someone and say, hey, I'm interested in this job posting. Maybe you like networked and made a couple phone calls and said, I'd be interested in interviewing for this. But now for most positions in healthcare and in a lot of industries, You have to do an online application on a website. You got to create a profile through an HR portal. And what a lot of people don't realize is the sorting systems of who applies to those jobs is no longer a human looking and reviewing every single application. Um, What they use now is something called applicant tracking system software, um, ATS, which is a form of AI software that actually goes through all, scans all the application data for all the applicants for a position and filters out what they, what the AI software perceives as what is, who's the most qualified for those jobs and takes those numbers down from maybe their 
100 applicants for a position down to 25. And then it pushes those 25 applications to a human HR person, right, who then looks through them. They may narrow it down from 25 to 12, and then they pass it on to the nurse leader to set up the interviews. And what people often aren't aware of, if they're even if they're aware of the software, is how to make their application compatible with that software. You can be a completely qualified applicant for a position. So a nurse with all the right qualifications, the experience, the degree, the certification, all the things. But if you have a resume that's not formatted to be compatible with that ATS software, you can be disqualified as an applicant for the job and perceived as not qualified. So there's AI software out there utilized in um, in hiring processes to make life easier for an employer, right? So they don't have to hire as much HR personnel and all that stuff. But in reality, it's causing a barrier to employment for many nurses because their resumes are not formatted correctly and their applications sometimes aren't filled out in those profiles correctly to be compatible with computer software in addition to looking good to a human reviewer. And all that sounds real space age, but it's been happening for decades now. Um, So it just means that your document and your application has to be filled out right. And so what happens is what I call the black hole effect. I get clients that come to me and say, hey, I've applied to like 100 jobs. I've gotten zero callbacks for interviews. I think I'm just done as a nurse because apparently I'm qualified for anything. I go, oh, oh, let me see your resume. They send it to me and I'm like, you're completely qualified for these jobs, but your resume is not compatible with the software used by uh, HR systems. And they go, what? And we change their resume and all of a sudden they're getting callbacks with their next applications. I mean, it's a wild thing. So that is, I would say, the resume formatting, one of the most common um, issues that out there. And then also poor preparation for interviews. So just because you get the interview doesn't mean you'll get the job. It really matters how you present yourself in those interviews and be practiced and ready with answers to common interview questions. And people often go in without having prepared And it's a skill set just like anything else. And it's a weird skill set. Very few people practice interviewing because who does that besides me and coaching people do it. But that's what you need to do because often if it's a competitive job opportunity, multiple people will be applying and people are very polished. They do practice and prepare. And so if you go in there without preparing and saying the wrong thing or indicating that you don't have the right availability or things like that, you can really turn an employer off with just one or two bad answers. So I think poor preparation for interviewing is also the problem that many people have. Some really good information. I, I learned a few things there myself, Sarah. So thank you for sharing all of that. And You know, you mentioned preparing for interviews. You talked about different ways now, just over the last few decades, that the software is now reviewing applications even before they get there. But for some of the newer nurses that are out there, maybe they don't even have a lot on their resume yet. They're just a year, two years into the profession. They're wanting to grow as a professional or they're wanting to expand to a different role. What are some of the tips that you give newer nurses on like, look, you're really early in your career. These are the foundational things that I think you need to do or you need to focus on if your end goal is XYZ. Now, some people make great bedside clinicians their entire life and that's great. That's wonderful. And and we need that. Others want leadership roles, education roles, things like that. So without getting into every single possible realm of of where nurses can go, what are just some foundational things that you recommend to a lot of people? So um, when exploring options, I always tell them, do some research because nursing is everywhere now from the bedside to the boardroom. And you can be anywhere in between work from home options. uh, Virtual nursing is a booming um, industry right now. And uh, nurse 
nurses are in startups, they're in nurse innovation, think tanks. I mean, it's all out there. So the things that you can focus on is one, figuring out what you like and don't like, because that's really important when you're looking at jobs. Do research about what's available in your market or maybe what is available remotely or in a geographic area of the country where you want to go. And then ways to set yourself apart as a newer nurse, professional nursing organization engagement. Like I cannot sell that enough. There is a specific nursing organization for almost any industry specialty within nursing in the greater healthcare system. And not only is that membership show that on a resume that you're engaged in that specialty, but also you can get so much benefit from those memberships. There's opportunities to go to conferences and do networking, continuing education. There's often certifications within those organizations um, that focus in those specialties. And I think making sure that you know what's out there and also knowing which organizations are going to be supportive of your goals is really important. Um, Another thing you can do is get certified or do other kinds of trainings that are um, going to help um, expand your professional development and clinical skills and knowledge and making sure you're listing those appropriately on your resume and in your documents to make sure that the potential employer knows of all the things you've done. And then another thing I think that's really important that a lot of people don't think of is your social media presence. So your um, professional social media Your go-to profile is going to be LinkedIn. A lot of jobs now are posted only on LinkedIn or they have recruiters looking on LinkedIn. You want it to be current. You want it to definitely um, be compatible with the algorithm to let people know you're either looking for jobs or not looking for jobs and that it matches well with what your goals are. If you have your resume on there, you want an up-to-date resume. And then also you want to look at your own personal social media and consider, hmm, would an employer hire me with what I have out there to the public? I always suggest people Google themselves because you might be shocked what comes up. I started social media as a freshman in college. I'm going to date myself because um, I started college, I think the year, the year after that um, Facebook went public to universities only. You had to have a .edu email address and that I made decisions and they're on the internet. And when I went forward in my professional space, I said, hmm, I'm going to have to clean this up a little bit to figure out, you know, what, what I want out there and what I don't. Those four years of rugby um, and all those activities associated with it, is that what I want people to see if they Google me or do I want other stuff out there? So I worked real hard and got that all cleaned up. Um, I make sure my LinkedIn is current, professional, and I always want to put my best foot forward um, with my personal information. I have really high privacy settings and know who can look at it and who can't. Um, Always check and see what those privacy settings are, and they change um, month to month, year to year. And when you're using social media as a nurse, know that um, the public trusts you and what you say. And so if you're posting things that could be considered misinformation or not in um, compliance with your employer's social media policy or your professional conduct policy, everybody has one of those. And so you want to make sure that what you're posting can't be misconstrued. Um, Nurses have definitely been fired for things they've been posted on social media. It's an unfortunate occurrence, but we there are professional standards surrounding that. So I just always tell people to make sure you're considering um, what you're putting out there. Remember the internet has 
it's a forever place. Um, you can try to delete it, but things can get screen grabbed. And um, even when you think you deleted it, it's still there somewhere and almost all of it's subpoenable. So just keep that in mind. Remember, if you didn't document it, it didn't do it. Well, if it's not on the internet, that's good. That's better for you than if it is, because if it's on the internet, it's documented and it could be brought up in all kinds of ways you may not anticipate it in the future. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that, Sarah. And uh, you know, while you were talking, I was thinking about this report I read a few years ago about how many nurses leave the profession within just the first year or two of being a nurse. And it sounds like a lot of your drive and a lot of what you're doing is helping to push against that. And so just on behalf of the ones listening to this, thank you for all the work you're doing. It sounds really awesome. I think nurses often aren't aware of the value of their skill sets, of their experience levels. Um, you know, you can, there's a lot of opportunities to work from home. There's a lot of opportunities to be in consulting, advisory positions. And there's also a lot of spaces in hospitals to work and influence and impact um, patient outcomes and nursing professional outcomes. And you can do that at almost any phase of your career. And there's also a lot of ways to take care of yourself and make sure that you have a long, productive, sustainable nursing career. I love nursing, but I didn't always... I wasn't always in love with it at the moment. I definitely was full-time, per diem, um, part-time. I did days and nights and evenings, depending on what was happening in my personal life. I took time off. Um, now I'm working in nursing in a very different way um, that I ever thought I would and still loving it and definitely working with direct care nurses all over the place. So there's lots of ways and opportunities, I think, that nurses often didn't think of. When I started my nursing career, I'd had no awareness of all of the roles that are out there. Um, and if you love to educate people, if you like to share experiences, there's just so many things that you can do now. And I think um, new nurses need to know that because when you're in nursing school, you definitely don't get educated to that. Um, you get educated to the opportunities to pass the NCLEX <laughs> and work usually in a hospital environment. That's usually what they're preparing you for. And that's fine. Um, nursing school has like a, a purpose and it's doing that. But um, I'm thrilled to see more and more nursing innovation courses that are happening at, in um, universities. Um, I love the integration of more technology into nursing university programming. And I love when um, nursing universities also bring in guest speakers to tell you kind of like all the different things that are out there. Um, and I think I really encourage um, young nurses to explore those opportunities and know that um, if you get tired of direct care, you don't have to go be a nurse practitioner. You don't have to go um, back and get a master's degree if you don't want to. There's so much you can do with an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, your master's degree. And it's really as, as chaotic as healthcare is right now, there's also nothing but opportunity because we're, we can, we are leading the way in many areas. And um, if that's what you want to get into, like you can really influence things on a national level and maybe at an international level too. I think Sarah, you touched on something that's just a lot of ways nursing seems to kind of just limit itself and put up like these walls. And I've seen that, um, you know, I started in the ER as a baby nurse and I didn't realize that at the time, but, you know, there's this idea of like us versus them now having grown professionally a little bit and, you know, have a little bit more experience in my belt. I realized like that's 
what people, when people are talking about like healthcare silos and this idea that you can't, you can't just be alone on an Island. It's not good for you. It's not good for your patients. It's not good for your department. You have to learn to integrate. You have to learn, you know, how to build bridges, um, between yourself and others. And I think, you know, on a personal level, professional level, that has been something that I had to almost unlearn from experience. But, you know, you've mentioned in several, several presentations and social media forums that, you know, there's just these silos in nursing. So what can nurses do to better collaborate and help to eliminate these healthcare silos? That's a great point. And I think that is um, historically how a lot of medicine has been viewed and how it's developed often in the American healthcare system. You think of specialists in primary care and on the inpatient side, how hard it is to get all the providers to have a good discussion. Um, And it's so odd because healthcare is the ultimate team sport, right? Like it is a spectrum of care. It shouldn't really be about geography or like what specialty you're with. Um, A patient is a whole person. Um, The nurse is a whole person. Um, The organism and ecosystem of healthcare is this very fluid experience um, for everyone. And yet we compartmentalize so much into different departments, specialties, um, generational groups, cliques. I always tell people, you know, no matter, and I think this is true in almost any job, no matter what you think it all, when you're walking into a new job, it really can almost always feel like the high school cafeteria about who's sitting at what table and the cliques that are going on there. And I think the best way to thrive in healthcare is always to be that good team player, that collaborator, um, have an open mind and not get, try to get, not to get too set in your ways and always be willing to learn. Now, how can a nurse um, strategically prepare themselves to be kind of that kind of that clinician in the healthcare environment? So I think one way um, that I benefited greatly was I mentioned that I was really involved with the Emergency Nurses Association. So ED, the emergency department, sees all walks of life and we do all kinds of medicine, right? We see people for the most kind of basic injuries. I stubbed my toe and broke it. I need an x-ray all the way up to the most critical patients that need ECMO and go on to the OR, get um, very advanced interventional care. And so what I realized is that because I touched all those types of patients, I was really needed to expand my horizons of what education I was gaining access to um, and what conversations I was hearing about the medical space. And so I joined the American Association of Critical Care Nurses because they covered a lot of professional development um, and continuing education surrounding critical care, progressive care. Um, I was taking care of a ton of those patients. Whenever they boarded, I was technically a critical care nurse, right? Doing inpatient care when they were boarding a progressive care or step-down patient, that was the same. And um, pediatrics, same thing. So I was like, I need to learn more about pediatrics. So I accessed some of the information and offerings from the Society of uh, Pediatric Nurses. I realized I needed a lot more to be a really well-rounded and prepared clinician for my patients because of all the different populations I was seeing. So I joined some, utilized some of the resources of others. And I think that's a really great way for a newer nurse to kind of position themselves to be a more collaborative team member is having a little bit of exposure to all of those specialties. Another thing I think that's really helpful is getting involved with interdisciplinary work groups within your organization. So if you're in unit-based counsel, if you're going to 
um, be a part of a task force, deep dive. They have all, we love names of titles of groups in healthcare, but I think any opportunity you can get to work with other departments and hear their perspectives of um, what patient care is, I will tell you nursing has a very distinct view and will be different than RT's experience or pharmacy's experience or child life specialists. Getting involved with some of these work groups in, in my hospital career, I learned about rules at the hospital that I didn't know existed. So I was like, oh, we have someone who does that. It's amazing. And then you can hear about their experience. And sometimes you have an overlap of a care process and there's something you do that affects their experience or vice versa. And that's how you can really identify sometimes those problem areas and where you can collaboratively work together to improve both of your professional experiences and the patient care impact. And I think also doing as much um, online collaboration. So I, as much as I um, caution people about their social media use. I'm a huge user and advocate for social media because I think it's such a great space for learning, um, peer support, getting mentorship, making connections with people in an international um, scale, um, and a lot of networking opportunities. And so going online and seeing what groups are out there to um, ask questions. Um, often a nurse in Georgia will have the same be working on the same problem and having the same challenges as a nurse in Minnesota. And so you can get into one of these Facebook groups or um, go on LinkedIn and post about it and ask the question. And someone in a whole different part of the country can um, have the answer to your question. You don't have to bang your head against the wall trying to reinvent the wheel. Well, Sarah, you have talked a lot about ways that you have inspired other people. You talk about um, creating these, these professional um, you know, developing people professionally, helping with resumes, all these things that you're helping other people with. But we like to ask this question of all the podcast guests, who inspires you or who has inspired you um, throughout your career? Is it a patient? Is it a, a clinician? Is it a family member? Is it a moment that impacted you? What, what in your career has really made an impact on you as a person? So different parts of my career, I've done different things. And um, I can say like I've had different people to really inspire some of those changes. So I'll say um, earlier on in my career, I wanted nothing to do with pediatrics. I didn't want to touch small people. They weirded me out. I didn't know what to do with babies. I was just like, nope, mm -mm, thanks. I would, I would literally offer to take care of like a whole department of patients if I didn't have to start the IV on the baby that came in. So that's kind of how I felt. But I had a patient that came in. Um, they were in high school and they came in um, just they had been recently diagnosed with cancer and had just had a port placed. And they came in um, kind of looking pale and short of breath. And the triage nurse, it was a very busy night and um, it was evening shift. And the triage nurse had kind of made him a lower um, ESI level. And I wound up with them and something just wasn't right. That nurse gut feeling was just not good. And um, so I had to advocate a little bit for expedited care. And long story short, they wound up um, with a collapsed lung after complication with the port placement. Um, and then it was really busy night and they looked not terrible. And so there was a delay for many reasons in the chest tube placement. And anyways, the patient wound up decompensating um, and winding up needing a lot more care because of all the challenges we had in that healthcare system and that night particularly. Um, and they went up to the ICU, you know, intubated, sedated. I got, you know, over like 10 hours of my shift, I'd gotten really close with the parents. Ultimately, this patient wound up doing great. Um, they were 
recovered. Um, you know, you don't see or hear much about patients after the fact, unless you, the, the family decides to come back, um, in touch base. And I lost touch with them after a few days, but, um, later on, I wound up seeing a picture of them posted on social media, um, by a government organization. And they were getting to shake hands. This was like a couple years later, they were shaking hands with, uh, a government leader. And it was like a promotional story for a hospital system. And I just was, I lost it. Cause I was just like, they'd grown up, you know, they had done well. Um, they were now meeting, you know, national leaders and there was a little short summary. And it was just one of those moments where everything clicked. And, um, based on that night that initially took care of this patient, um, I wound up really feeling like I needed to learn more about pediatrics and what that is. And so that drove me and motivated me to getting really informed in some pediatric care and doing a whole bunch of pediatric care coordination um, for our emergency department for several years. And so that was really cool. Um, and then later on, I would say um, different people, especially in the Emergency Nurses Association, have mentored me and helped me feel like I could do different things in my career and also showed me the really big value in professional nursing organizations. And now I work for one. Um, and I'd have to say there's been like several people and um, one in particular is Dr. Anna Valdez, and she um, is a premier expert nationally on diversity, equity, inclusivity work and anti-racism work in the nursing field. And she is just showing me like how much work we have to do to make sure that our profession is healthy and supportive of all nurses and uh, other healthcare um, workers who might come from backgrounds that are from minority or othered populations. And so how to be a good ally and how to do that work to help support our clinicians so that our clinicians are, are treated the way our patients should be treated in a holistic and supportive way, equitable way. So I would say there's been a handful of people over the years, but um, that those are a few examples of who've really like lit the fire for the different ways I've gone in focusing my career work. Well, it sounds like you have definitely paid it forward for however many people have fed into your life. Um, it seems like you just turn around and pay it forward and that, Hey, that's an awesome trait to have. We definitely need more people like you out there. So thanks for those who have helped to get you where you are. And I mean, I'm excited to see where the future is for you, Sarah. I am going to ask you just a few rapid fire questions. Really, they're about your favorites. It's so we can get to know you, you know, outside of all of the things that you do in nursing, we just want to get to know you a little better. So what would you do if you were not doing what you currently do, which is a lot of the same words, but basically if you could do anything else, what would you do? Um, currently, uh, so I have a toddler and have gone through the journey of early parenthood just recently. And I have a passion for figuring out what child equipment you need. And because as a new pregnant a person, I was told all these things that you need. And then I have found in reality that I think every parent out there will relate to this. There's so much you don't need and so much that you do. Almost all the devices, items, toys, products that I love um, are developed by parents and like now being sold and under their small company names. But what I would love to do is start a social media or blog account and kind of be like, Hey, this is the stuff you need and what you don't need and help advocate for all of those things. And I know that exists out there, but I just, I think once I'm in it, I was like, Oh my God, there's just so much trash out there. And there's just so much you don't need to spend your money on. And what you really need is X, Y, Z. 
And I think I would be like a mommy blogger product reviewer if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. I understand when I was pregnant with my daughter, I, you, you know, like as a new parent, you're just going to ask the question, like from basically every person that you meet and one person would tell you one thing, another person would tell you another. And before you knew it, you had like a hundred things that you had to spend thousands of dollars on. And you're like, I use this no times. Um, and (laughs) The return policies are amazing at some of these companies. Um, And also the buy nothing movement. I don't know. There's just a lot out there. And we live in a 900 square foot apartment in Oakland, California. And so there's just no space for extras. So we just need to know what you need, what you're going to use and get rid of it as soon as you don't. Love it. I would follow your blog. So, you know, thanks, thanks, thanks Holly. That makes me let, it, let us know if you ever get, get on that. I will forward it to all of my friends who thank you. About thank so. you for that endorsement. You heard it here. I'm for it. Um, okay. Favorite book. Now it can be all time or it can be something that you're currently reading that you enjoy. I really love, so I've a brain that can only consume so much content, usually in a social media post link or blog link only at this time. But historically, an author and content creator I really love, her name is Kate Bowler. And she um, has written several books of the p- kind of patient experience. And um, she was um, just a quick bio as she was diagnosed with advanced colon cancer at a um, in, while in her 30s, about a year after having her kid. Um, her son, and she has written several memoirs that are just some of the most exquisite um, uh, narratives about the patient experience and also just being in healthcare um, as a consumer. And I just think they were so moving. And I listen to her. I do a lot of podcast listening in addition to being on one, which is a dream come true. I also love to listen to podcasts and she has a podcast. And I think a book that are both by the same name called Everything Happens. And I would highly encourage people to listen to her or read anything by her. She's out of Duke University and she's just a delight. Very funny, very dry humor, very much speaks to my nurse heart. Let me ask you another favorite, favorite TV show. Um, Again, this can be current. This can be, or something that you just could always watch. I currently love cult documentary series. Um, It kind of started with Wild Wild Country. I think that a lot of people saw Netflix maybe four or five years ago, but if there is a cult and there is a docu-series about it, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to love it. Um, And my husband will be concerned about Mm -hmm. that. So I would say anything, if you watch Wild Wild Country or anything along the lines on that algorithm, um, there was like one called Keep Sweet that was more recent, I think on the Discovery Plus. I also love the show, My 600 Pound Life, and Dr. Now is a hero of mine. Um, I was in Houston last year, and I did not get the opportunity to go to his clinic or find him. So if you're listening, Dr. Now, I'm a big fan. And um, that show, and the field of bariatric surgery is just fascinating to me. So I think that is one of my favorites, not going to lie. Now, one of my friends, she she is into watching like those deep dives into things that are like cold. It always freaks her out. Like she's always like, this is so great. Like she always gets freaked out, but she cannot stop the watching portion. Some people love serial killer stories. Mm -hmm. I love cults. 
I mean, I think it's to each their own, like whatever is cool. Like I don't really get the serial killer thing. I've tried a few. I'm just like, whatever, but you give me a good cult show or podcast. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm here for it. Like you said, to each their own. We- I know. I know. Don't, I don't, you don't have know. to judge. You don't have to no, judge. Because I know, because I read like the murder books all the time and I am constantly going to find Sometimes out. Sometimes there's overlap and on a good, on, on the best of them, there's a lot of overlap. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, I, I don't know. This question may play into it. What is your self-care go-to? Like, what is your reset? I love carbs. Um, I love ice cream. I love sleep. So a big part, I realized after a few years on night shift, it just did not, it was not compatible with me. Um, so I, I'm a strict day shift person and now I have a small child. So that also is really important, but um, I prioritize a very early bedtime. So as early as my child's plus 30 minutes, sometimes not going to lie, but then I get up early and feel really good. I recently have started trying to work out again after a long hiatus and it's happening, I'll say. Um, but I do feel better when I do it. Um, I do love to binge TV. I'm a big media consumer, social media connections, social media posting, um, sometimes deep dives into very specific um, medical things. Um, I'm very into this. I recently just got back from a telemedicine conference. And so I've been very um, deep diving into the idea of remote preceptorship and mentors for nurses, which is like, we could have a whole different conversation about it, but a very specific Google track that sometimes gets you four hours later into something you just weren't expecting. Um, that sometimes is very self-care for me, but there is a very good balance of what's self-care and what's obsessive scrolling. Let's not get too far in. So then I have to be like, nope, put down the screens. Let's take a nap. Sometimes I find myself in that same place where I, I will simply type in something that's a pretty simple search. And before I know it, I'm hours in and I'm like, wait, is this because I'm still interested in it? Or have I fallen down a black hole into information overload. And so, um, it's, it's a real fine line. Um, (laughs) but I'm glad to know that you have things that you're doing that help to, you know, just kind of reset and and put you back into that space where you're ready to connect again. You know, like, I think it's good to disconnect from certain things, but then also say, okay, that was, that was good. I feel feel energized again and I'm I'm ready to get back at it. The problem oftentimes is that finding that moment when you're like, yep, I'm good. I'm ready to get back in there, especially for those people who put that off for so long and then all of a sudden they completely disconnect. So I think it's important to kind of know like what can I do to reset myself and get get myself back to a place where I can get in there. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. If our audience would like to follow you online, what social media platforms can they look you up at? Absolutely. I'm very active on some social media and not present on others. So this will be easy. The easiest way always to find out anything about New Thing Nurse is the website or email. The website's newthingnurse, N-E-W-T-H-I-N-G, nurse.com or newthingnurse at newthingnurse.com is our email. But for social media, I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me at newthingnurse. And on LinkedIn, I'm Sarah K. Wells. And I think all those links will be made available to you by the lovely hosts of BCE and podcast. 
Well, one of those hosts is going to tell you right now. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing everything today. Thank you. You know, it's it's very apparent that you have a passion for your own personal knowledge and a passion for growing yourself as a professional, but you have an equal passion for growing others and inspiring others. So thank you for sharing that with both of us today and for being a guest on this podcast. It's been really great getting to talk with you and also getting to know you more. So really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. I'll come back anytime. I do want to take this time to thank Sarah for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your knowledge, your time, and your passion with us. We truly appreciate all the work you're doing to support and build up this profession that we love. Thank you for caring about emergency nursing professionals in real and tangible ways. And to all of our listeners, we hope you will stay tuned as we continue with BCN and Friends and bring you new, meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I'm Holly Briggs here with Michael Dexter, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you're doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, we are out.